Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Tuesday, September 20th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the biggest series of the regular season is upon us. I don't think it's uh, it's too too much to say that you know this is the biggest three game stretch that the Guardians have faced uh, since day one of the uh, of the season, and it it could really go a long way in determining whether or not they're going to reach the playoffs. Yeah, definitely, Joe. Uh, you know they're four games up. They're playing uh, the White Sox in a three game series, a team that's in second place. And they can do severe damage to them with at least one win. And if they win, you know, if they win the series, uh, you know, Chicago is in a really, really bad shape. I mean, Chicago basically has to sweep. And even if they sweep, they're still one game back, right? Right. Uh, let's reset this here. The Guardians are 80 and 67. Do you think back in April, if I had told you uh, they would have 80 wins with 15 to play, that uh, that I was crazy. I mean, think about that. 80 wins right now for the Guardians, 15 games to play. Uh, the White Sox are in second place in the division. Uh, they are, what, four games back in the uh, loss column. However, it's really like they're five games back in the loss column uh, if, if they wind up with uh, a, a tied record here. Uh, like you said, they have to win one out of three in this series. Uh, why is that important? Because a head-to-head tiebreaker uh, would be ten wins against this uh, this uh, between the two teams. Uh, take the season series, get to ten wins. They're they're nine and six right now. Nine and uh, seven. Nine, nine and seven, seven right now. Uh, get to ten wins against these guys, and it's it's pretty much uh, in the bag in terms of all you have to do is play five hundred ball. Uh, the rest of the way out, and you would force the White Sox to go 11 and one in their final 12 games. Yeah, they are. They're in the driver's seat, Joe. They got to win a game. Um, and 80 wins. They didn't win eight. You know, that's as many games as they won last year, all last year. And they didn't do that to the final game of the regular season. So they are ahead of schedule, and they are steaming toward the uh, AL Central title. Uh, let's look at these these matchups here. Uh, I want to ask you, last week, you know, we we came out of that Thursday makeup game where the decision was made to start rookie Hunter Gaddis against these White Sox. Uh, Gaddis goes out, coughs up five home runs, ties a franchise record. 
and uh, you know everybody's feeling kind of you know kind of mopey about it. But uh, it's pretty obvious right now that that Tito had a, a plan or something in mind when it comes to this White Sox series and how important it was. You know, obviously you had the five game series against Minnesota. I don't think anybody was expecting uh, Cleveland to go four uh, win four out of five against Minnesota there. Uh, even even the the Guardians maybe three out of five, but uh, they didn't want to start three rookies in that series, so they moved Gaddis into the the makeup game and they avoided having to pitch Tristan McKenzie twice against the White Sox. Now you've got a rotation set for this series of Aaron Savali, Tristan McKenzie, and then if you're zero and two going into that last game of the series, you've got Bieber in your back pocket and and he gives you a chance anytime he goes out there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Savali's kind of, you know, the the weak link there uh, tonight. We'll see how he does. Uh, he's coming off the uh, injured list for the third time this season. He had some forearm, uh, you know, st- uh, forearm uh, problems in, in his right forearm. So we'll see how he pitches. Uh, you know, he's, he had one rehab start uh, last Thursday. Did not go extremely well, but they must have, you know, he must have got his... They must have seen something that they like because he's 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 back in the rotation, and uh, then uh, Mackenzie and Bieber and uh, you know this is <laughs> it's going to be really really interesting and Savali kind of draws the tough uh, the short straw in this one with Dylan Cease. Right. Yeah. You you, you put him up against their toughest pitcher. Uh, you probably can't expect a, a lot offensively uh, once Dylan Cease gets rolling. Uh, but but he is susceptible to, you know, maybe giving up an early couple of runs. We we saw it against Baltimore a couple weeks ago. He he had a, a real tough outing. Uh, but this is a guy who, when when he's going right, he's one of the, you know, top three candidates for a Cy Young in the American League this year. Uh, so knowing that, you've got uh, Aaron Savali. You'll probably see uh, somebody like maybe a Kirk McCarty uh, get in there and, and go a couple few innings. Uh, if if Savali goes short, uh, but really you're not expecting a lot offensively tonight if Cease is, is where he's you know supposed to be. Uh, that leaves Tristan McKenzie versus Lance Lynn, and and that's a, a you know another tough matchup uh, for the the Guardians. Do you think they will have learned anything from uh, facing Lynn the last time they did on Thursday? Well, this this will be the fourth time they face him. You know they beat him the first the, in the first game. Uh, he has uh, you know pitched really really well the last two times out. I think he's you know he got a no decision and he beat him on Thursday. Uh, he's a tough uh, you know he's a tough competitor. He's he's has a history of pitching well against Cleveland. You know that's a tough matchup. But uh, you know McKenzie's gonna. I think this is might be his third time facing uh, the White Sox. Uh, and the the plus thing with that to me, Joe, is he's pitched well, uh, and he hasn't given up a home run against them. So you know, I think if if you know Tristan can, can keep pitching like that, you know, when he doesn't give up a home run, he is he is really really he's a Cy Young caliber pitcher, especially this season. So you know, I think he's got that going for him. Yeah, keeping the ball in the yard is is definitely uh, the big key for McKenzie. Uh, offensively, we saw over the weekend some some real breakout performances uh, by the Guardians and their hitters. Ahmed Rosario, uh, first among them. You know, we talked about his uh, um, you know back to back four hit games in a doubleheader on Saturday. 
but then he goes out there yesterday and uh, stole two bases, hit a three-run homer that basically uh, – his three-run homer in the sixth inning basically ended Minnesota's season. So, uh, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to the way that he's playing right now. And and just over the last, what, uh, uh, in his – in 40 career games against Minnesota, uh, Ahmed – Slashing 358, 391, 594 uh, with uh, 12 doubles, 7 home runs, 29 RBIs. He really likes hitting against Minnesota. It would be really nice to see uh, Ahmed Rosario's offense carry over against Chicago this week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, he's he's on one of those rolls right now. We've seen him, Joe, especially, you know, he seems like, you know, last year right after the All-Star break, he... He kind of got on a roll where he was hitting everything in sight, and he seems to be, you know, has found that gear again, and it's coming at the best time of the season, right down the stretch, and and coming into Chicago, uh, you know, in in a critical series where you know the Cleveland, you know, really needs this series, and they can really do damage to the White Sox, you know, if they if they can win this series. I'm not talking about a sweep, but if they take two out of three, you know. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, they could they could almost put it in cruise control after that. Yeah, I mean, even just taking one game in this series, they get, it's it's like winning two because, like we said, it makes Chicago not only uh, play for, have to play for the tie record wise, but they would have to to finish with a, a game better than the Guardians uh, in the standings in order to uh, you know win the division title. You know, a tie wouldn't do it. Uh, as far as you know, Rosario goes, uh, Tito said something in the post game yesterday. Uh, he said he's, he's ultra aggressive and that aggressiveness, uh, you know, it pays off when he's hot, he's hitting everything, but being aggressive at the plate like that can also, you know, lend itself to, uh, difficult stretches. So it, they, they sort of stack up as well. That's why he, it's why you see him get hits in bunches. It's like, if he gets two hits in a game, he's getting three. If he gets three hits in a game, you know, there's a chance six times this year he's he's gotten four. It's uh, it, it's pretty uh, impressive to watch, but also it comes with that caveat. Uh, if he's that aggressive, he can also be he can also miss that aggressively as well. Yeah, he swings early and often, and uh, sometimes that leads into you know double plays, a lot of double plays, and sometimes it leads into leads to a lot of hits. You know, uh, and the the power has been impressive that he showed yesterday. And it's it's it it's really kind of blows me away when you when you watch when you watch this home run in slow motion how you pull your hands in and you still have the power to they hit the ball out you know because mm-hmm. you're you're taking like a half swing it seems like when on that but he I mean he crushed that ball yeah Tito says that when he's hitting the ball to the right side of the field that he's staying on balance and that he's balanced enough and quick enough to get to that pitch on the inside. The pitch that he hit for the home run was three to four inches off the plate inside, and he still got, you know, the barrel of the ball uh, the, of the bat to it and, and got the ball out and 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 lined it out. You could see the the exit velocity was 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 really good. So, yeah, it, it he's he is a professional hitter. He is a good hitter. Uh, it's just that sometimes you would like to see maybe a a walk or two mixed in there that would make him an elite hitter as opposed to you know just a, a really good hitter. Uh, it, we've got to mention Sam Hentges coming in, uh, in relief in that ball game, uh, pitched two and a third scoreless innings, 
uh, picked up his first career save, uh, which, you know, is, is noteworthy. I mean, this is a guy who, since the All-Star break, has been one of the best relief pitchers in all of baseball. I mean, you talk about Emmanuel Classe, you talk about James Karinczak and what they've done this year. But uh, since the All-Star break, uh, 036 ERA in 25 innings for Sam Hentges. And his whip is 044. Uh, that's that's uh, amazing. And 30 strikeouts uh, while issuing only three walks in that span. Yeah, Joe, you did a nice story on him. And what do you think the key is for, for him, uh, you know, finding this groove that he's in? Well, it was definitely him uh, leaning on that uh, that sinker, the two-seam uh, grip, and and throwing it to left-handers uh, as as an out pitch, uh, they don't like the ball that moves in on their uh, uh, on their belt buckle, and that's what he throws it. Uh, he he's he had been throwing it to right-handers, and now he Luke Bailey and Austin Hedges convinced him, hey, let's throw it to the lefties a little more. And once he started doing that, he started getting a ton of swing and miss, and uh, you know he's just been dominant from the left side out there, he gives them that different look uh, when he goes out and, and takes them out. Yeah. And, you know, he's the left-hander, uh, you know, they, they, they really, he gives you a different look and he's not, you know, one of those soft throwing lefties, you know, the guy's six, what, six, five, six, six, about two forty. He's six, seven. Yeah. And he's bringing it, you know, he's not one of those little left-handers that uh, kind of trick you. He's coming right at you and he kind of, you know, he's, it's a power game and, he is really, he's, he's been fun to watch. Yeah, if you want to feel like a small human, walk into the Guardians clubhouse anytime uh, lately. Uh, even the, the the new kid, the rookie that they had brought up uh, just for this past weekend, uh, uh, Carlos Vargas, he stands 6'4". Uh, you've got Oscar Gonzalez, Emmanuel Classe, Sam Henches. Uh, there, are, there are quite a few uh, very tall individuals in that clubhouse, and uh, particularly on the pitching uh, side of things. Now, now you've got your Stephen Kwans and your Miles Straws as well, so it, I guess it balances out the curve. But uh, yeah, they they would they would be able to put up a pretty decent front line in terms of a you know a, a basketball team if they wanted to. Yeah, definitely. And and you you know you mentioned Miles Straw. He's you know he's finally come out of that long long funk, Joe. And he you know he's driving the ball, he's hitting the ball, pulling the ball, hitting it off the wall. And, uh, you know, that can only help uh, Cleveland at this point of the season. Tito mentioned, uh, you know, he doesn't see you don't see it too often. Uh, a guy hitting a triple on a ball to left field. And they had he said he's seen Ahmed Rosario do it a couple of times. And we saw uh, um, Miles Straw do it yesterday. Uh, hit a ball to left field and wound up on third base. And that's that's impressive uh, when you're when you're running the bases like that. But you're right. Uh, 13 of his last 15 games, he's gotten a hit, uh, slashing 389, 431, 481 uh, over that stretch. Uh, since September 5th, he, he ranks among American League leaders in batting average, total hits, uh, and and really he's he's putting the ball in play. He told us the other day that he's pulling the ball a little more. He's looking to pull the ball a little more. And and that's really what's paid off in in this big change for him. Yeah, I know they they asked him. I think they wanted him to be a little more aggressive, and he seems to be more aggressive at the plate. Joe, he's 
He's picking out some pitches to, you know, just kind of sell out on. He's, you know, the, I think uh, he had a, he, he still has a tendency not to strike out to that fear of striking out to put the ball in play, no matter, you know, if it's soft, soft contact or not. And, uh, but, you know, he's, he's, he's hit some line drives here and, you know, and that's, that's encouraging. I mean, it's, I mean, he's driven, he's driven the ball too. Well, when you run the way that, that he does, you know, putting the ball in play gives you better results than, you know, uh, you know, taking pitches. So I, I get that. I understand that, but you're right. He he's, he's always been known for controlling the strike zone uh, and, and being able to do that. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what, the Guardians need to go. Need to do. Uh, what are the keys to winning in this series against the White Sox this weekend or this week, uh, as they open up uh, three games at Guaranteed Rate Field? Well, they got <laughs> they've got to pitch well. Obviously, those three starters have to really, you know, Savali, McKenzie, and Bieber have to, you know, keep them in the game and and let them, uh, you know, hopefully let that offense, uh, you know, score first. If they do score first, which they've you know they've shown a tendency to do lately, and then make that make that lead hold up, I think they've got to you know hopefully get get uh, get uh, Emmanuel Class A into the game. He's he's pitched very very well against uh, the White Sox this year. Hasn't given up a run in seven innings, and I think they got to score first, Joe. I mean that's simple simple math, but they are what 61 and 21 when they score first. You know we saw that against, uh, you know, in these last eight games against the Twins. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of the formula for them. Yeah, uh, Josh Naylor, another key, uh, as you pointed out in uh, your post from uh, late last night, uh, Naylor hitting 352 with three home runs and 16 RBI uh, against the White Sox this year. Uh, very important to have him healthy and upright and finishing the series uh, because you want to see him uh, in, uh, in, in those late game situations, it was funny, uh, the other night when the guardians had won, uh, I believe it was Friday night and they were scoreboard watching in the, in the clubhouse, watching Detroit and, uh, the, the white Sox play. And I believe Detroit won a, a game with a walk-off, uh, against Liam Hendricks, uh, in the 11th inning, uh, a sacrifice fly and, uh, the, the, the tigers won the game. And uh, as as Liam Hendricks gave up that sacrifice fly, I believe it was to Victor Reyes, uh, you, you, the one voice you heard screaming above everybody else's was Josh Naylor. Uh, it, it was an expletive, so I'll, uh, I'll I'll fill it in. But it was something to the effect of "Screw you, Liam Hendricks," as uh, as Naylor sort of turned and shouted, and the the, the clubhouse celebrated that walk off. Uh, I thought that was a a pretty funny moment. It just sort of connected back to. That May uh, that May game May 9th where Naylor just sort of beat the pants off the White Sox all by himself. Yeah, we we've got to see uh, you know the incredible bulk they got to unleash him again in this series. I mean he had I think he's got 16 RBIs against uh, against the White Sox this year. He's hitting like 362, some crazy number like that. Three home runs. And I think uh, you know what he drove in eight runs on in that game on May 9th when they rallied, 
you know, and and beat them in I think eleven innings. So you know that. So that was the first time we've seen uh, kind of uh, Naylor unchained. So uh, it it was. It, oh, I I I, I I'm, I'm sure Indians or Cleveland fans are are you know would love to see a repeat performance. Well, wear your batting helmet down into the clubhouse uh, when when you're around him, Hoynes. You don't want to take any friendly fire uh, for certain. Uh, but should be uh, an, an interesting week. Uh, the magic number as it stands right now uh, is at 12. If they win any game during this series, that number will drop by three. Uh, any subsequent games that they win in this series, the number would drop by two. And and then uh, you you go, you know, continue the road trip in Texas. And, and who knows, by the time you get back to uh, Cleveland to take on uh, the Rays next week, we might be talking about uh, some sort of clinching scenario. Yeah, they're getting close, Joe. It's, uh, you know, we've seen what uh, Houston clinched last night. Uh, we've seen the Dodgers clinch earlier, you know, last week or th- earlier this week. So it's the clinching time. And pardon me? The Mets also clinched. As yeah, well. the Mets too. And so, yeah, so it's clinching time and uh, the Guardians are getting close to it. All right. It's, it's in the air, Hoinsey. Uh So, We'll uh, check in with you again from Chicago uh, tomorrow here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe.